0: You are now listening to The Conversationalist Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for listening to The Conversationalist Podcast. Um, I'm Jesse, I'm here with Amanda. Hi. This is episode 20. Um, I didn't realize we'd done that many shows, but... Cool. (laughs) So, um... Got a... Bunch of topics going all the way uh, for some updates in the uh, Marvel Universe. Um, Some shows uh, that should be coming out. um, News related related, uh, to Netflix (laughs) and some deals that they've made um, with uh, different companies. Um, Some television news. uh, Well, I guess not really television news. More related to HBO. But you know uh news regarding uh, Game of Thrones and uh season 7 uh couple of updates well an update on uh, Star Wars episode 8 um have some uh blizzard news and then to wrap it up we'll be talking a little bit about Mel Gibson and his upcoming movie uh Bloodfather so um in our first topic is America ready for Marvel's US Avengers um This was found on Nerdist, and um, essentially, uh, part of the Marvel Now initiative is a relaunch of the new Avengers, which is going to have a more patriotic theme. They will be the U.S. Avengers, and obviously, it sounds, you know, patriotic because it is. Um, The photo of the U.S. Avengers, you know, they're all colored red, white, and blue.
1: so they're all gonna look like Captain America.
0: Something like that. Um, you know, it's all gonna have that uh you know, star spangled banner type theme for all their uniforms. <clears throat> it it looks cool. I mean, obviously they're not all gonna have like similar designs, but you know, the it's red, white, and blue. So Right. But uh apparently the US Avengers is supposed to be um a group that's gonna be replacing shield and so I guess that's supposed to raise some questions about like what happens as far as like the civil war two wrap up um, I don't know so there is that as far as the um new Avengers members cannonball pod squirrel girl um and uh Red Hulk are gonna be Uh, part of the US Avengers and it notes that uh, Tony Jensen is going to be joining the team as the Iron Patriot who happens to be the daughter of Ho Jensen who's the guy that actually helped Tony Stark create the first Iron Man suit so I mean uh, that's pretty cool Um, and um, another newcomer is Danielle Cage the daughter of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones from 30 Years in the Future. Um, where she's better known as Captain America. So um, she's going to be on the team as well. Um, now as far as the enemy goes. Uh, the enemy is going to be Golden Skull. Um, who I guess made his debut in Avengers Ultron Forever storyline. And um, alongside the adult Danielle Cage. Um there was hints at new members that might be added um one which was a uh, Todd Ziller who is otherwise known as American Kaiju uh just looking at the photo you know of the release of what is supposed to be the US Avengers um it did look Pretty cool, I mean some of these relaunches I raised my eyebrow at but um, this one actually seemed like it was worth reading and uh, um, it's supposed to release later this fall so um, I may actually follow this one, it looks pretty cool. Um, I mean did you see the photo? I did not weep weep she sucks I'm cool I mean what do you I mean as far as the backstory of like what to expect and the characters and I know you've read some you know comic books based on some I mean these characters so I mean what's your take on it like I mean are you gonna wanna read this series
1: that sounds it sounds neat I would probably buy some. Um, But I have, you know, I'm all for patriotism, too. But people tend to think that Americans are awfully full of themselves. So thinking long term, if they want to make, you know, cinematically make this into a big deal, I don't know how well received it would be. Some people can't handle too much America.
0: Well, I mean, as far as cinematics goes, you know, they're already basing the universe around like the avengers that you know everyone knows with like most of the you know original like well-known uh characters and then basing a lot of the universe around that so i mean as far as them being introduced into like an mcu at any point that would be like super way long down the road I guess I get your point where, like, when Captain America was released... Here, stateside, obviously, is you know, Captain America, the first Avenger. But, like, overseas, when it was released in different countries... um, I think, like, even in China and stuff, it wasn't Captain America, the first Avenger. It was just the first Avenger. They didn't want to put in the Captain America part because they felt it was, like, propaganda-ish. Even though, like, how do you show the movie without, like, having... (laughs) Hints of U.S. propaganda in it because yeah, Tom it shows blurred
1: out like porn, yeah, or something like like
0: a, like a Japanese porn video, yeah. all pixelated <laughs> or something. You know, because it's like, uh, you know, he's. I mean, obviously, he's part of the war effort during World War II. You know, helping the U.S. trying to defeat Hitler and all the other evil regimes that are during that time period. So, like, how you, why you would just change the name of the title and that's okay. But then, like still allow the movie to be watched, I mean, I'm assuming maybe there was some light editing in the movie as far as just because like it's China, but I don't know seems a little silly to me, but uh I'm assuming there'd probably be some tweaks, but I think overall it would probably be something like title related I mean obviously, you can't go as far as to like change like the the whole context of like what the cartoon to be about or you know the avengers themselves so
1: and then anna kendrick can finally play squirrel girl
0: right yeah you know (laughs) she's gonna be part of this uh new avengers team she's like yes i'm gonna be in the avengers except it's like 10 years down the road and she's like 40 and (laughs) squirrel girl's still like 16 to 20 or whatever assuming they let her age a little bit it's hilarious but well you know um this is like kind of going off topic but when we went to the recording of, uh, like, the the Talking Dead for, like, Fear of the Walking Dead, and, you know, uh, Chris Hardwick, he's not as young as some people think he is, but, like, you know, in between takes, they're constantly, like, you know, fixing his suit, they're constantly, like, reapplying makeup, and he was just, like, jokingly saying, yeah, they make me look extremely young. <laughs> You know, like, applying all this makeup, so, I mean, even if she's 40, like, I'm sure, like, with, uh, you know, some little tweaks with, uh, you know, like, camera, um, camera tricks and lighting and, like, excellent makeup, like, she'll still look all super young if they really wanted to go with somebody older. I mean, think of how many times, like, older movies that were, like, 80s films had, like, some, like, 20-something-year-old guy playing, like, a junior, or, yeah, you know, that's the fun
1: of 80s movies. You could tell that they were old as dirt. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, you're not in high school.
0: <laughs> yeah, so there's that. So maybe that's what they'll, you know, they'll, they'll have like a kind of 80s thing, kind of like take over the movies, you know, 15 <laughs> years into the future where it's cool to go ahead and cast a 40-year-old as an 18-year-old. Um. So, uh, moving on, the... Uh, invincible iron man is introduced with the black teenage girls new iron man this is also um through the Nerdist, and this is also part of the marvel now initiative um they're relaunching the invisible iron man but it's not going to include you know tony stark as the armored avenger it's going to have a character named riri williams which was recently introduced into um the series and she's a Black, fifteen-year-old girl who also happens to be an MIT student, and um, initially, I think people that are you know following the comic as it stands right now assumed that um, she was possibly going to be sliding into the role of War Machine, um, and I, this would be apparent to anybody who's following the Civil War too. Um, but she's going to be taking Iron Man's position, so. Um you know, I guess the uh writer, um, Brian Michael Bendis is you know, he he basically goes on to say that uh Tony um is also aware that uh this young woman is flying by him in terms of how quickly she is doing it. And what he's referring to is the fact that uh she was able to reverse engineer a lot of his armor ...in her dorm room. And so um, he's basically hinting that she might actually be sharper or even, more, even smarter than uh, Tony Stark. And he adds that uh, her brain is made a little better than his. She looks at things from a different perspective that makes um, the armor unique. And so, I mean, I understand they're trying to go a whole different direction... With like what Iron Man is. And you know. I mean obviously they're changing everything about everyone. Um, You know just to list a couple of things. uh, You know you have. Obviously. um, Sam Wilson who's Falcon. Becoming Captain America. You have Jane Foster. You know becoming Thor. And then you have X-23. Becoming the new Wolverine. You know there's a lot of. You know, 180s well, being done in terms of what's going on.
1: And you have What's Your Face up there that's going to be Captain America, too.
0: Right. And so over there's...
1: it. So <laughs> over it. Stop messing with everything. Iron Man is a man.
0: Well, maybe they're like, oh, well, woman. <laughs> well, so are kinda... they going
1: to make Wonder Woman a dude? Like, I mean, at this point. Different universes, yes, I know, so...
0: Like Wonder Man?
1: (laughs) Like, just stop. Everybody, stop. Stop messing with people.
0: Yeah, I mean... Leave it alone. I'm sure, like, you know, people that have comic book stores are completely happy with this because it's driving sales for all these new things that, you know, people are probably picking up, not even necessarily because they like them, but because for one reason or another, you know, some of these things might have a short run... They might actually end up being worth something like some at some point down the line. And, you know, so it's driving comic book sales, you know, and whether or not they're actually popular or resonating with readers doesn't really matter. Because in the end, you know, the comic books are still being bought off the shelves because people are seeing that, okay, you know, maybe it will eventually go back to the status quo. You know, but as it stands right now, you know, this is, you know, maybe going to be a coveted series at some point you know, 20 years down the road, even though people like me and you are, like, pulling your hair out. So, um... So, according to, uh... Uh... Bendis, um... He basically says that, uh, Riri's ascension doesn't necessarily spoil the ending of Civil War Two, um, but it also doesn't seem like the outcome is going to be that great for Tony Stark at the end of Civil War Two. So, um... You know, I don't know. Um, You know, I mean, it lists, like, toward the end of the story that, uh, you know, if you've been reading comics long enough, you know that the status quo will eventually reassert itself. You know, it should be interesting to see if uh, Riri can earn enough of a following to have her own unique identity in the Marvel Universe. It notes that Iron Man, or the Invincible Iron Man number one, will be released later this year, with Bendis as the writer and Stefano Casili as the new artist. Um I think the biggest problem I have, I mean, because like a lot of people have said, and these are, you know, also, you know, some of the panelists that were at, you know, they said the same thing when we were at, you know, Phoenix Comic Con, is that, you know, eventually the status quo does reassert itself, and, you know, a lot of these things do end up being short-term, and eventually things go back to the way that they once were, so, you know, maybe people are freaking out about nothing, and that this kind of thing has been done several times um you know throughout you know the marvel universe and then you're talking about multiple timelines and all that kind of thing um but I think what's just kind of stupid or I mean I guess stupid is not the word I don't know I just think that okay you have Tony Stark you have you know male you have white male Tony Stark and so then Like, what's the opposite of that? Okay, let's make him a black female. And then it's like, okay, you know, Tony's obviously a genius. And, you know, he has obviously a lot going, you know, for him. in you know, as far as, like, he's a billionaire. He can afford all of this stuff. And he's also uh, a genius. So, like, he can actually, like, you know, make these things that he's thinking of happen. Um, You know, and then they got to say, okay well, this girl is like the Doogie Howser of like tech because she's able to reverse engineer his stuff with ease. So, you know, now he's not only is it the polar opposite of Tony Stark, but she's also beyond him. Is also like extremely smart. I mean, to me, it just seems like they're doing way too much to try to you know replace Tony Stark it's you already have you know somebody that's stepping in to that role so I mean obviously they have to be semi-worthy of you know getting into that role because of their talents or genius or whatever the case may be in this case she's just super familiar with being able to like reverse engineer tech and and make tech so obviously she's a clear fit but like to, to be like oh you know she's she was able to accomplish this in like it, you know half his age and then also be better than him even though she hasn't been as involved and in, he's been in his own tech for nearly as long it just I don't know. I guess I just think it's a little ridiculous that, you know, they would write in that, you know, she could just overtake Tony so quickly in terms of just how smart he is. It's almost like not giving him enough credit. Um, But, you know, I'm not saying that she should be more, you know, she should be stupider than Tony or that she should never be as smart as Tony I just think that there should be a little bit of like, okay, yeah, she's young. Yes, she's smart. Yes, she's able to figure this stuff out fairly quickly, but she still has a lot to learn to catch up to Tony and might at some point actually surpass him, you know, while being involved in, you know, creating the suits and and things like that. Like, to me, that's more plausible And it just kind of, like, also, you know, provides, like, a little nod to Tony that he is very smart and it would actually take some sort of effort to overcome, you know, (coughs) what is his genius. (laughs) As opposed to just somebody kind of stepping in like some snot-nosed little kid from MIT in a dorm room being like, you know, oh, she's way smarter than him. You know, it's like...
1: But they can't pander to the the PC market that way if they just let her come in and be semi-smart.
0: Well, I mean, I know, yeah. (laughs) Which,
1: yes, uh, probably comes off as incredibly rude, but it's kind of true. Everyone's big word is diversify, and that's just what they're trying to do. People are coming down on them saying that you know, they're being this or that because most of the people in their universe are white and male. So now they're just going to have to change that. And,
0: you know, maybe I'm they're going to just... have
1: to do it <laughs> bigger and better. And everyone's going to have to be girls and they're going to have to be super smart and they better not be white. They're going to have to have a color <laughs> on them.
0: Yeah. And
1: that's how it's going to work, because otherwise everyone else is going to have their damn feelings hurt.
0: My feelings are hurt. That's why I'm so mad. Where's my Hispanic Wolverine? Where's my Hispanic Cyclops? He's like, supposed
1: to be Spider Man. Was supposed to turn out to be Mexican.
0: Great, we got Spider Man.
1: Miles Morales, I think, is his name.
0: Weak. Whatever. I guess that'll do. So, I mean, no, I just, I just. I know they're, you know, doing a 180 on like every character and it's just part of like what their initiative is. You know, if it was one thing, it's going to be the polar opposite. So, I mean, I get what they're, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to drive sales. I mean, obviously like in terms of, I mean, comic books and things like that have always been popular, but you know, then, you know, then with like the, like a comic con, they were talking about like the digital media that's kind of, you know, getting paired with it and it's. You know, maybe because, like, sales aren't as good as they have been, and so they're trying to, like, you know, infuse the market with something that's, you know, trying to bring an interest or draw more people into into these universes, something that, like, you know, hits close to home for somebody to maybe start picking up these books and reading them. And, you know, and then to continue on, and then eventually when it goes back to the status quo, they can learn more about this stuff. You know, because, like, they were pointing out, you know, some people have been following some of these characters going back a long way. And so when they just kind of step into it, there's a whole lot that they missed. And so, you know, the purpose of the relaunch is so they can kind of step into this, not feel like they're catch, you know, like they need to catch up, you know, because they're starting from a beginning point point. they can get familiar with, like, something that they like. And then, you know, at some point down the road, they'll be, like, you know, bitching and complaining like us because they were introduced to this one character and then they're going to get their shit relaunched that they were used to. And, you know, it might go back to an old way and they'll be upset. Um, you know, it's like a cycle. So, I mean, I I get it. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, print nowadays isn't doing very well. You know, you have newspapers dying left and right. You have magazines that are hanging on by a thread. You know, so, I mean, comic books are doing whatever they can to, you know, basically keep some sort of readership and, you know, to actually stay relevant. So, I mean, I get what they're doing, and, you know, if if this is what, you know, basically keeps them around, you know, ten years longer, or actually, like, you know, keeps them in the game, you know, going forward, you know, for, you know, my kid to end up being an adult and still seeing, you know, Marvel and DC and Dark Horse and all these places, like, still chugging along, that's great, Um, you know, but I'm allowed to bitch, and have my complaints, just like everybody else, so I mean as long as as long as their shit works and they survive I mean, I guess that's uh you know what the end game is, so uh, that's that moving on <laughs> um there are three new Marvel shows that were coming to twenty sixteen, but it seems like there might only be two. And so, um, this I got off of, uh, com, And, um, the first one on the list was a no-brainer We've talked about it before, um, actually I'd say fairly long ago Um, and that's Luke Cage We all know that Luke Cage is getting his own show It's gonna be introduced on Netflix We've already talked about it In case you didn't know We just told you Um, you know, you can, uh you can look it up if you if you like, but since we already covered it, we just kind of glossed over that one. We went straight over to um, the second one, which was Marvel's damage control, and you know I'd like to think I know you know a little bit about the MCU, but uh, or a lot, but I did not know about damage control. I was kind of like, huh, what is damage control? And so, if you're like me and you don't know what it is. Uh, damage control is a show that follows um, the fictional cleanup crew of the Marvel Universe that uh, specializes in dealing with the unique aftermath of uh, aftermath of superhero conflicts. So um, you know when the Avengers go and destroy half the city and blow shit up and um, you know weapons are all left behind from all the battles um, you know between whoever it is they're fighting, the damage control people basically come in you know reschedule events that were basically destroyed um you know retrieve any weapons that were lost and get them back to whoever you know own them and you know overall they're exactly what it sounds like you know they're a cleanup crew of sorts so um this actually seems pretty interesting and i'd really like to watch this uh Casting hasn't been announced, uh, but it's created and produced by a guy named Ben Carlin, who has his hand in shows like The Daily Show and Modern Family. Um, The show is only in the pilot stage. Um, There's a guy named David Miner, who is also associated with Parks and Rec in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and uh, the Marvel head, Jeff Loeb, that are also um, producers. So there's no premiere date that's been confirmed by ABC Um, but the president Paul Lee had uh, previously said that the show would be coming out this season so I mean maybe he misspoke and he was just saying that it may be coming out this season if it was to get through the pilot stage it wouldn't make sense for him just to be like oh yeah it's going to be coming out when it's still in a pilot phase Um, but this one I actually seemed really interested in and so I really hope it does get to the pilot stage and, uh, I mean, because when I was explaining it to you, I mean, what did you think?
1: It sounds interesting. it would be good to see, but ABC, eh.
0: Well, it's just something like that's like such a far cry from like the typical superhero shows that you're used to seeing in terms of like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, I'm discovering my powers, and oh, you know, there's drama, and oh, now I'm finding out that I'm not the only one. Or oh, you know, that you know, there's something going on here and oh now I gotta save the world or I gotta save somebody. It's always something like that. But damage control, it's kinda like you know, it's like, oh it's gonna start out with some big old fucking superhero battle, boom 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 boom, and you know, and then everything's done. And then, you know, the show actually starts not with the action, but after the action's over, you know, where basically these dudes you know, these dudes roll up and start cleaning this shit up. Like I just think it's I just think it's an interesting take. On something significantly different than we're used to seeing, and you know just looking at the other side of the curtain after the show's over, you know to see um you know to see that, so I would hope that this actually does well because i I think this is uh
1: I think it needs another network I can well, already tell you that yeah,
0: I mean I don't think that the best place for this show to be is ABC um you know there's probably. Yeah, there probably is a better network, and the reason is is because this might be a good show, but obviously, if it's not pulling these monstrous numbers that you know a lot of these big networks expect from something that's associated with you know a, a powerhouse that is Marvel, and you know they're not going to give it a chance and they're going to cancel it. So, well, uh,
1: they had Agents of Shield and Agent Carter on ABC, and I mean, look what happened to that. Good yeah. shows. They never pulled the numbers, though. So yeah. why so, are they going to try it again on ABC? Go somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's my thought and feeling on that, and that's actually a good point. So, um, you know, hopefully if they do at least try to move forward with damage control and it doesn't work out, you know, there's some other network out there that recognizes that something like this is a cool angle, you know, to, uh, to have as far as... I mean, because to me... You know, with all these Marvel shows that are out, this one doesn't seem redundant. You know, you have all these different standalone shows focusing on one specific character that all kind of overlap with each other, but to me, Damage Control doesn't... It's not... I mean, it's still part of the MCU, but it's not another show focusing on one specific person. It's actually kind of cool to have this, you know, what was presumably going to be an ensemble cast... That's just telling a different, different story from a different perspective. That's not, like, the same cookie cutter stories you're used to seeing. So I think there could be a lot to that. So I'm really excited to see that, and hopefully it uh, works out. Um, now the third one is Marvel's Most Wanted. Now Marvel's Most Wanted, I had no idea what the fuck this was, and I was just kind of like, okay, well let's read on. Um, Again, ABC, they're really trying to get some uh, more Marvel shit on their network.
1: Well, it is owned by Disney, so
0: <laughs> yeah. Um they're developing a show around two agents of Shield characters, existing agents of Shield characters, Mockingbird, who's played by Adrian Peliki, and um her ex husband, Lance Hunter, um, who's played by Nick Blood. And it follows X spies and their spouses and basically what happens, like, once they're not associated with S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. uh, Basically, these people are on the run and enemies are after them trying to claim bounties that are on their head. And obviously with, like, no support from, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. themselves or their spouses anymore, that, you know, it's basically a game of cat and mouse trying to stay off the radar and, you know, not have these bad guys uh, capture them. And so uh, these two characters make an alliance with someone named Dominic Fortune, who's played by Delroy Lindo, um, who's described as like a rogue adventurer with wealth and resources, um, but also has a ton of adversaries. I read this in the, like as this being the synopsis for the show, and I'm just like, that show sounds lame. Um, like, why anybody would want to watch what happens to? a spy's, like, ex-spouse after they break up or something like that. I mean, I guess that's a different perspective of stuff, you know, which kind of goes back to, like, why I think damage control is interesting, but it just seems like they really picked an uninteresting angle to Well, it's kind of like on. a
1: Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of deal, but with Marvel characters. Right. That they were still living together and didn't know that one another was an assassin, and then until they were trying to kill one another. Well, this time it's like, oh, we're not spies anymore, and hey, we're not married anymore, but look, everyone's after us, and now we're gonna have to hang out. It's yeah, like that's been done before.
0: And it's funny because I didn't even think of that, um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of angle, so no, that does make a hell of a lot of sense. And I mean, but just the plot line when I read it, it didn't seem interesting at all. It's just like, yeah, that's gonna fail. And so then as I continued to read, um, there was actually an update where it says that ABC didn't move forward with it, it didn't make it past the pilot episode, and at this point it's unclear whether or not they're actually going to try to redevelop it and try to reintroduce it later, um, you know, for a second or another pilot to possibly get it on ABC, the reason being is because they'd already redeveloped it last summer when they also had another pilot for this. So. I mean, they haven't given up on it because they tried a second time, but they still didn't move forward with it, so it's unclear whether or not they're actually going to try to retweak this so they can get it on the network, or whether or not they're just going to move forward. Um, So as it stands right now, that show's basically dead in the water unless they decide to uh, make some adjustments. Um,
1: Time to let that one go.
0: Yeah, if you tweaked it once and it still sucked, it's probably something that people just aren't interested in. I mean... I mean, whether or not this was as far as, like, you know, the producers just didn't want to move forward with it because they didn't think it was interesting or whether or not it had at least gone into, like, in, in, enough of a pilot stage with, uh, you know, like, a test audience. The test audience just thought it was garbage. You know, I don't know, because it doesn't go that far as far as, like, you know, why they didn't move forward with it other than they just didn't. So, anyways, damage control... Still alive as far as we know. Hopefully it makes it and hopefully, you know, it's at least successful on ABC and isn't terrible. (laughs) Because, I mean, it sounds good, but hopefully they don't make it shitty. So, uh, moving on. Um, Your favorite CW shows are coming to Netflix, but there's a huge catch. Now, this is via Yahoo through Hello Giggles. And... Uh, essentially, um, CW shows are going to be available on Netflix now, but the catch is they're not going to be available on Hulu. So, you know, the shows that you like to watch like Jane, The Flash, Arrow, Supernatural, and even Supergirl, you're going to be able to watch those on Netflix, but here's the difference. As it's been with, uh, you know, CW shows being available on Hulu, if you missed, The show on CW, you can always just go to Hulu because it would be, you know, available within like a day or so so that you can, you know, watch it and it's not a big deal. Um, But with this new deal with the CW um, having its shows available on Netflix, the show basically says that you can't watch any of the CW shows until eight days after the season wraps. So if you're watching Arrow and then you miss an episode, You obviously aren't going to be able to access it on Netflix. And with the deal that CW has with Netflix, now the CW shows aren't going to be allowed on Hulu. So all the CW shows aren't on Hulu anymore. So now if you miss that show, you can't go there to try and catch up on it. Um, The only way around that is either one, you skip the rest of the shows and then binge watch it on Netflix eight days after the season wraps. Or two is you're going to have to go to one of the C... You're going to have to access, uh, like, the CW app, or you're going to have to go to their website in order to um, stream it. Um, You know, something like that, in order to uh, watch a show. So that's kind of shitty. I mean, but I guess nowadays, I mean, most people have, um, you know, DVR players like we do, so, you know, why somebody would miss their show doesn't make much sense to me just like you know record the season so but it's still an inconvenience for people that you know wanted to be able to watch it on hulu because that was what they subscribed to you know most people probably subscribe to both netflix and hulu like we do um obviously we have like we have like amazon prime we have netflix we have hulu We don't really use hulu a lot every now and then they might have something that like hulu doesn't have um but uh I mean, obviously, people that do have Hulu are probably a little pissed. And, you know, CW's deal kind of does a disservice, you know, just to people in general. You know, the lack of options that are available to them. Because it's like, obviously, if they miss it on TV, sure, they could probably DVR it, but let's say they didn't. Um, You know, cool that it's going to be available on Netflix, you know, free to be able to binge watch it if you want, right? There's that option that wasn't there before. But at the same time, they're simultaneously taking the option away of just allowing the people to access the show on Hulu, which, you know, I mean, it's got to benefit CW somehow because there's st- they still have viewers, right? It just seems like like well, why,
1: why CW's always been kind of tricky because a lot of cable, a lot of cable companies don't have contracts with the CW, anyways. Like when we had. Um, UVerse and the non-Direct TV, we did not have the CW as a channel. So it didn't matter. I mean, if we wanted to watch CW shows, we either had to find them on Netflix or Hulu or somewhere else. So, I mean, to me, it's not a huge... I don't really care. <laughs> it's not a <laughs> this, loss. <laughs> yeah, this deal doesn't affect me at all. Don't care.
0: I mean, but even though it doesn't really affect us at all, I mean, I think... It affects enough people and, I mean, just the general consumer because, you know, it's like they already had to deal with Hulu so that you could watch the show after the fact if you wanted. Obviously, if you wanted to access the app or their website, you could, but most people don't. And so, you know, obviously you could just utilize Hulu without having to go to a website or access a browser or do anything else, you know, like having to watch it on your phone or on iPad You just get on Hulu and just watch it on your TV like you wanted to. You know, so to me, it's like, why couldn't they just still let their shit, you know, be watched on Hulu? And then obviously, for those that obviously have Netflix, too, they can still binge watch it if they want later on Netflix. You know, I I
1: imagine they did some kind of marketing study before they made this decision.
0: No, probably Netflix was like, um if we're gonna fucking host your stuff you know then obviously we don't want it on our competition you know so but it's
1: been there cause CW shows are on Netflix they've been on Netflix for quite some time how do you think when we watch Arrow it's been there
0: right but I'm saying it like they're to me it just doesn't make sense like why they would make a deal with Netflix and then like you know pull out With the deal that, like, they already have with Hulu. It just...
1: Maybe Netflix threw some more money at them.
0: I mean, maybe. I don't know. I just think it doesn't... To me, it just seems kind of... I don't know. Counterintuitive. I don't know. I just think it just doesn't... doesn't make sense to do that. But business is business. And uh, if they think it's going to make them more money doing one thing or another... Obviously, uh, they're going to do that. So... Um, like I said, it doesn't, yeah, like you said, it doesn't really affect us. We have Hulu and Netflix, and, I mean, most of the CW shows we're still catching up on through Netflix anyway, so, what ifs. Um, so, while we're on the topic of Netflix, there's another story, it's also from Yahoo through Hello Giggles, and, uh, Netflix has some exciting news for everybody, and it is that uh, they have reached a deal with Comcast. So apparently Netflix is really busy. Um, they've reached a deal with Comcast, and you know we know that Netflix is traditionally seen as like the competition of like what's traditional cable TV, but they teamed up with them, and their Netflix is going to be available um, through Comcast's uh, X1 platform later this year. And so basically, what uh, Comcast X1. Is, is it's an interactive cloud based TV experience that allows customers to search for programs across hundreds of live channels, their DVR and even Xfinity on demand. So now you don't necessarily need a smart TV or other device for an app or an app to access Netflix which I mean is pretty cool. So um, you still have to subscribe to Netflix though. So even though you can access it through Comcast X1 it doesn't mean it's all inclusive so you still gotta fucking sign up pay that extra what's it gonna be ten bucks so um think that's kind of lame and the price the uh you know the fact that uh you know the price is going up it's like what the hell you know I mean at one point what was it like four ninety nine and now it's like up to like ten dollars so
1: so is this just for people that have comcast yes. You know we don't have Comcast in our area,
0: yeah, I mean this is just for it's just, this is just a deal they made with Comcast x one platform users, so
1: so why is it good news for everyone if a lot of people don't have Comcast?
0: because it's for Comcast users, obviously, if you're a Comcast user and you don't have a smart t v and you don't want to keep using your PlayStation to stream Netflix on it, that you'll be able to access your Netflix through your comcast box if you have comcast xfinity x1 or if you have comcast x1 you can access it without having to use it through some other side device and if you're already subscribed to it then obviously it's more of a convenience thing for you to be able to access it without having a smart television so or, when, or a I PlayStation.
1: Went, when I went to the PCA convention, not this year, but last year, one of our top donors was from Comcast. Oh my God, that guy was boring. Like he rambled on for like 10 million years. <laughs> it's like, just give us a check and go. That's what all the other donors <laughs> did, right? But he kept talking on and on and on about how, you know, they love giving the service to Northern California and blah, 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 blah. When we live in Southern California, we don't have a contract with Comcast. And that was the other thing that he kept rambling on and on and on about. It's like, nobody wants your cable service anyway, so how about you just shut up?
0: Well, yeah, so I wouldn't not really a- want Comcast. <laughs> I mean, you see all those terrible stories about, like, how people, like, couldn't cancel their service. And they had tried multiple times and they could never reach a human if they did, like, it would disconnect, and, yeah, just all kinds of horror stories for them, so, like, that's, yeah, I mean, cool for anybody who has Comcast, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't have a smart TV, I mean, most people these days have smart TVs, but, like, okay, for instance, we have a smart TV, um, in our, in our living room, but, like, we have other TVs that, um, are flat screens, but they're not smart TVs, so, like, um, in our bedroom, we have a Samsung, but it's not a smart TV, but, um, like, we have the, the little um, the Apple TV, so that we can access stuff through the Apple TV. Um, and, like, recently we got DirecTV, so, like, you know, we have certain cable access, too. But we would always be able to access, like, Netflix through um, through Apple TV. But, obviously, if we were Comcast users, we would just need the one box... Because we'd be able to not only access our cable, but we'd also be able to access Netflix through the box instead of having to have the extra Apple TV. And we can just move that into a different room that didn't have a box, which is the convenient part of it. But that's neither here nor there if you're not a Comcast user. So let me correct what I said and say that it's not good news for everyone. It's good news for people (laughs) that are in the Comcast area that can actually obtain their service or already have it. Um, Woo-hoo. <laughs> and, uh, so now, um, uh, we move on to, uh, a story related to the Game of Thrones. And this is from Nerdist and basically winter is delaying the Game of Thrones season seven. Uh, like from actually
1: Because winter starting. is not coming. Yeah.
0: the Like winter is not coming fast enough. Uh. Basically they're used to having March April premiere dates. Um, but what's happening is uh, the showrunners uh, David Benioff and Dan Weiss, they basically explain that um, where there were where they're filming, they needed to be completely full winter obviously because with season seven winter is there and so all the areas that typically would be like sunny or whatever. They actually, you know, need to be semi-snowy or obviously even overcast and kind of, uh, I don't know, just overcast to kind of create the kind of gloomy look that I think they need for um, this upcoming season. So
1: It needs to be cold.
0: Yeah, and um, so, I mean, this was basically discussed while they were on a UFC Unfiltered podcast and, um, you know, that was basically what they were explaining is that they're probably gonna end up having to delay um the uh the premiere of season seven because of the again the lack of winter, so um that's pretty shitty. <laughs> you know, I, I really you know, I mean I think everybody wants to, you know, see season seven as soon as possible. I mean obviously not with any sort of like detriment to the work, you know, we expect the same high quality show we're used to seeing but, you know, it sucks that it's getting pushed back because... Let's fucking... see them
1: dragons!
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just like, oh no! You know, so, um, you know, winter's coming in the show, but it's not coming in real life. So, Damn it, winter. Yeah, we're actually going to have to wait a little bit longer for them to be able to have the adequate amount of winter, cold, and uh, overcast... Overcastness... <laughs> You know, that they're looking for so that uh, it sets the, the right tone. You need for, that
1: moodiness for all the seriousness.
0: Yeah, it's got to set the tone for season seven. So more than likely, it's going to be looking at some sort of fall release date, which is going to coincide, obviously, with The Walking Dead.
1: Boo. Um
0: Do I think it's going to have a huge effect? Not really, because we have DVRs. You know? I mean, what's not to say you're not going to make a Sunday really long? You can, say, watch Game of Thrones, have Walking Dead record on DVR, and then as soon as Game of Thrones wraps, blam! Then throw it on Walking Dead and obviously put your phone on airplane mode so that nobody's fucking like, Oh my god, what just happened on Walking Dead? So you can avoid those spoilers and just do like two awesome back-to-back episodes of what's essentially going to be focusing on the undead since uh, Winter is there in Season 7 we're talking about the fucking White so Walkers. The, if
1: they were going to premiere at the same time, I would watch The Walking Dead first just because I want to figure out if I'm right about who dies.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously the premiere, I'm going to fucking I'm gonna watch Walking <laughs> Dead first. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, that's a no-brainer. So
1: Still think it's Maggie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much set on Maggie, too. We'll see. Better be. Maggie's a, t- I mean, obviously Maggie's a two for one, but I think she's actually a three for one, because what if Glenn just goes mad and, like... Because then Glenn up... will
1: die inside.
0: Right. And he's gonna, you know, be all suicidal and stuff. Anyways, uh, we're, we're talking about Game of Thrones and, uh, you know... <laughs> Whatever. So,
1: cause you mentioned it, I yeah. had to Throw that in there.
0: <laughs> but yeah, big delay. Possibly not going to see that until fall. Womp womp. But again, I mean, that's. I mean, obviously, negative is that they're going to. You know, there's going to be some competition between the two. But awesome for everybody else. Um, two awesome shows during the same season. That's fucking. Awesome television overload. So I'm all for that.
1: That's time for chicken wings.
0: Hells yeah. Fucking have all those little, like, little parties hanging out at your friend's house, having little potlucks. You know, you fucking watch Walking Dead and watch Game of Thrones. That's the shit. So.
1: So sometimes people talk too much or sing that Wiener Wiener
0: song. Sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, moving on to movies. Um star wars episode 8 is almost finished filming and we are excited um this is from yahoo via hello giggles and um essentially mark hamill tweeted that um episode 8 was going to be wrapping production july 22nd which i mean shit what is it the 9th it's the 9th, so that is... Just in time like,
1: for Comic-Con.
0: Yeah. Which, fucking lame. Anyway. Lame for us, because we didn't get tickets because of the stupid Comic-Con glitchy, hey, glitchy ticket bullshit. Whatever. So, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's sooner than I think most people expected Episode 8 to be wrapping. Um, and, you know, in his tweet, you know, he's like, Hashtag loose lips, sink starships, and Rogue One sooner, so... Um, Rogue One is going to be coming out December 16th, 2016. It'd be nice to see Rogue One sooner, but obviously we know Disney is probably going to stick to the, you know, holiday weekend, which is almost sure to get them more money in terms of, you know, being during Christmas time. And I don't see them pushing up the release date of Rogue One just because episode eight finished sooner. But I think most people are hoping that episode 8 is going to get released sooner after Rogue One comes out, which is what I would hope for. Obviously, you know, having to wait fucking nine months in order for them to, like, release it during Thanksgiving or some bullshit would be lame. You know, it'd be really nice to see, uh, you know, them release it, say, like, a couple of months after the fact. You know, you can't have it too late because...
1: you could see it as a summer movie.
0: Right, like in July or something. Probably, yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that. That'd be awesome, you know. Maybe like a Fourth of July release date, which I mean isn't too long because you know you got to consider, you know, the, you know a movie like Rogue One or just a big movie like this in general. Um, you know, you're releasing it during December. Depending on how successful it is, it could end up staying in the movie theaters a lot longer. You know, than you're talking about you know the you know the release of it into like you know some dollar theaters or whatever, and you know then eventually it being you know, put out on video. And then, obviously, by that time, people are going to be wanting more, you know, kind of dangle it in front of them like a little carrot. And then, boom, then release it. So, I mean, July obviously makes more sense, but uh, we shall see. So, um... Rogue One, again, coming out December 16, 2016. That's going to be awesome. Because it has to do with the older Star Wars universe between... You know. You know what episodes?
1: Stuff and things.
0: Yep. Well, you know, basically it takes place between, um, you know, episode uh, is it three and four? So that will be cool. Um, so we we'll move on to games, and uh, we kind of covered something similar to this on a previous podcast, and. Uh, Blizzard is trying to take legal action against a German Overwatch cheater. And uh, this is from GameCrate.com. And so after the release of Overwatch, um, a German company called Bosslam G-M-B-H, released a cheat program called uh, Watch Over Tyrant. And so basically what this does is the program allows people the ability to see the exact locations of enemy players using radar overlay. Um, BossLine has also supplied several cheats to other Blizzard games um, like World of Warcraft, here's a Storm Diablo 3, and now Overwatch, but apparently this is pretty much where Blizzard's drawing the line in terms of Overwatch. Um, They filed a lawsuit against BossLine in federal court in California Citing uh, copyright infringement, unfair competition, loss of sales due to many legitimate players who are quitting out of frustration um, due to encounters with cheaters. Uh, the problem is is that Bossland doesn't appear to really be afraid of Blizzard's legal offensive because um, they're basically claiming that because, uh, obviously, Blizzard's located in California... And in the United States, they have no jurisdiction over what their company is doing because they're located in Germany. And uh, I guess earlier this year, according to the story, is that Blizzard had attempted to sue Bossland in a German court um, over a similar cheat system that had um, that was associated with Heroes of the Storm. But ultimately, Bossland ended up winning that suit, and Blizzard was forced to pay for Bossland's legal fees. And, you know, as it stands right now, um, BossLine has also said that it's working on a watch over tyrant to make it harder to detect. So, you know, unless Blizzard can, you know, muster some sort of support overseas, you know, BossLine's probably going to end up winning this one too. Um, You know, I think it's a damn shame that, you know, you have a company that's, you know, worked really hard to make a successful... Um, you know, game and obviously model a business around it, you know, and to have, you know, people in other countries shitting all over it, making money off of a game that they didn't create by creating cheats and supplying them to fucking lame asses that are, you know, paying money to be artificially good. Like, what's the point of playing a game to, like, pay for a cheat to make you invincible in the game? Like, you're not good.
1: They had tiny e-beans.
0: It's it's just fucking despicable that, you know, that a, a company like Blizzard, you know, can't do something about it. Or that they would be able to take a lawsuit to this German company in Germany and lose? How the fuck does that happen? Like, how can they lose an argument that these people are ruining their game and their business, Like, what the fuck is up with German law? Like, I don't get how they could lose a lawsuit that is against a company that is taking advantage of their game. Making a profit off of a game that is simultaneously ruining the game. How is that possible?
1: Is it just because they don't have an office there? I don't know. Maybe Blizzard should invest in a one-room Thing every once in a while they can stick a secretary in there so it looks like they have an office. Yeah. That way pa- they have a little more ground to stand on.
0: Buy a, buy a tiny little building and put two people in it that just fucking play the video game, and exactly. uh, call them uh, chief, chief executive officers to get paid so much money so that they have the ability to sue companies from doing shit like this. I don't know. It's something. I mean, at this point, all they're all they can resort to is trying to catch these cheaters through like you know people reporting you know suspected cheaters and then being able to you know prove that they're not and uh you know so i mean obviously that's hard to find a needle amongst a stack of needles and you know blizzard's kind of uh backed into a corner which is you know sad to say um Hopefully they have a more positive outcome than they had this year. Um, I'd really like to see them, you know, successfully, you know, combat these sort of issues so that, you know, the people that participate in these games, you know, don't have to be griefed by players, you know, subpar players that are willing to spend a bunch of money to, you know, ruin the gameplay and experience for other people that just want to play the game. So, um, you know, I really hope that, you know, moving forward, Blizzard's able to, find some sort of game plan that makes them successful in their lawsuit against this fucking bottom feeder company <laughs> so uh for the last topic um we're going to be talking about mel gibson and uh this movie that he's coming out with called uh Bloodfather. um the trailer there's a couple of trailers that are uh You know that uh, we saw on YouTube. Um, We'll be posting the trailer to uh, to our Facebook page if you want to take a look at it. At that conversationalist, this story is from Yahoo.com, and um, it's been directed by Jean Francois Rochet. The film. Oh (laughs) yeah, the film stars Gibson as John Link um who is an ex-convict tattoo artist whose strange daughter suddenly re-enters his life but not for breezy reasons and uh his daughter's played by Erin Moriarty um who has been in shows like Jessica Jones and True Detective and uh, apparently she hasn't seen her father in years but there's some drug tar- uh, there's some drug cartel people that are after her and um the drug cartels helmed by a dude named Diego Luna Who, I looked him up in IMDb, and he's produced a lot of stuff, but I didn't really see anything familiar that he's been in, and a lot of the stuff was, uh, a lot of the stuff that he had produced um, looked Spanish, like Spanish language stuff, so.
1: He's been in some stuff. He has a familiar face when we were watching the trailer.
0: Yeah, I mean, his face looks familiar, and I know he's been in other stuff, but, like, when I was looking through IMDb, like, IMDb's it did not help at all like normally it does it tells you everything they've ever done but uh it really didn't really list much for him his name sounds familiar and i know that i know that he's been in other stuff but i you know utilized imdb to try and help me figure it out and uh fortunately was not helpful uh maybe i should have like dug deeper into the interwebs to find something that he's done that i was familiar with but um i didn't have that kind of time so He's produced a lot of stuff. He's been in the game for a while. There were a lot of credits to his name. Um, obviously, that didn't really list anything that he's acted in. But I know he's been another crap. So um, again, he's going to be um, the leader of this drug cartel, and he's trying to hunt down John Link's daughter. And um, basically, she's wanted because she murdered someone. Um, now, in the story, it says that it's kind of set in like a post-apocalyptic desert setting, which. I don't know that it's post-apocalyptic. It just looks that way because it's in the desert.
1: It just looks like a desert.
0: Right. It's in the desert. Not post-apocalyptic, but it kind of gives off that vibe because they're mentioning that it's reminiscent of uh, Mad Max. um, The original Mad Max that uh, Mel Gibson was in that was released in 1979. Um, And so, basically, Gibson, or John Link, is going to do what he can to protect his daughter And, uh, you know, that is, you know, basically the meat of the storyline for the movie. Um, It includes stars um, William H. Macy and Michael Parks. Um, It's written by Peter Craig, if you care. Um, Now, the story also mentions, like, you know, whether or not this is, like, Mel Gibson's comeback movie. Um, You know, I don't really know that he ever left. I mean, I know he's kind of gone under the radar, but, I mean, he's still been involved in a lot of films. I mean, whether or not they're, like, huge blockbusters, like, you know, we're used to seeing somebody like Mel Gibson in. But, um, you know, one of the biggest movies that was supposed to be, like, his comeback movie at the time when he was having a lot of issues, personal issues in his life. You know, there was some anti-Semitic shit that was said, and he was having drinking problems or whatever. Um, think even, like, relationship issues, I mean, he just, there was a lot of shit going on, but he came out with the movie The Beaver, which was directed by Jodie Foster, it was a very dark comedy, um, but I thought it was actually a really good movie. Um
1: it was good, weird, but good.
0: Yeah, it was weird, but it was, it was funny, it was a good movie, obviously, I don't know that it was the comeback caliber movie that you would expect, I mean... The movie was good, but obviously you can't really market that kind of movie to a large audience. No. And that wasn't the kind of movie that I don't think is just going to appeal to the masses, but to fucked up individuals like me and Amanda, it was good. <laughs> so Thanks. um well, I'm more fucked up than you, so there's <laughs> there's that compliment. Um so The Beaver um was one of the first movies he did that was kind of like seen as the comeback movie. Uh I, um, don't, I don't know that this is, I mean, I guess this is a, a big movie that could possibly help him kind of get up in the upper echelons of, you know, where he was earlier in his career. I think this movie could help. Um, now there were the other movies that he's made since the beaver, um, with the most recent one being the expendables three, eh. Expendables 3 was good, I mean, Expendables 2 was good, Expendables 1 was the better one, but, I mean, the Expendables in general, I mean, it's a huge heavy cast of, like, characters that people like, so it's really hard to say that, like, oh yeah, Mel Gibson, you know, him not being in it, like, would have made the movie, like, less crappy, I mean, there was a shit ton of people in that movie, so you can't necessarily give a hell of a lot of credit to Mel specifically, um... So, don't know if that's really a good example. Um, but, I mean, The Expandables was fair. Uh, or The Expendables. Did I say The fucking Expendables. The Expendables was fair. <laughs> um, now, the movie before that was Machete Kills. Now, that was a fucking double eh. Machete, the first one, was, to me, an okay movie. Why they made The fucking Machete 2, I don't know. It was terrible. Um, no, it's a waste of time. So then we go before Machete Kills um, to another movie that he made after The Beaver, and that was called Get the Gringo, which should still be on Netflix, and if you're not familiar with this movie, you definitely need to look it up. Get the Gringo was probably one of the most well-made movies that I've seen in quite a while. Not, I mean, I'm not talking like like it was a blockbuster film, but just... The quality of the movie was really good. Mel Gibson did an excellent job. The storyline was fantastic. This was a fantastic movie, and it was completely overlooked. Like I really, I just think that just kind of people were over Mel Gibson, and just did not pay attention to it because "Get the Gringo" was excellent. It was a fucking fantastic drama slash action movie definitely check it out. It's worth the watch on Netflix. Um, I highly recommend it. I thought it was amazing. Um, and so now we're here, you know, reviewing this movie coming out, you know, called uh, Bloodfather. And, you know, I'm really hoping that Bloodfather does well. The trailer looks excellent. We watched the trailer yesterday night. We watched the trailer before um, we recorded Um, I mean, what were... I mean, what's your opinion? Just, like... When you watch the trailer, I mean, what are your hopes or expectations for this movie as far as, like, what the trailer shows?
1: What are my hopes and dreams?
0: Your hopes and dreams?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It just... It it looks good. It doesn't look like a cheesy, Taken-esque type movie, you know, with the whole father-daughter dynamic of... Oh, I need help! Come save me! Yeah, it just—it looks like a good action movie. The
0: it, it, the action looked pretty good. It did seem pretty gritty. Um, and Mel
1: Gibson looks normal. He doesn't look crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He looks like a concerned ex ex and dad trying to save his little girl. He's not. Yeah, they're not trying to put him in like some sort of niche where he's got to be a wacko or. Anything like that. I mean, he's playing the role of a father who had a hard life and re enters his daughter's life when she needs him the most, which is the basic premise of the movie, you know, when you just put it into simple terms. Um, so I think that's, you know, good enough because I think overall the movie and the trailer make it look uh, really good. I would honestly say that this movie actually kind of reminded me of Get the Gringo because Get the Gringo... Um, to me, it was like a sleeper movie. Like, he just did such a good job, and just nobody noticed. So, um, go see Get the Gringo. I know we're talking about Bloodfather, but um, I think that just based on what I see from the trailer and the story of this movie, um, that it's probably going to be up there with Get the, Gringo, Get the Gringo, so definitely check that out. Um, I do think that this movie is probably going to be good enough to see in the movie theaters, you know, normally there's certain movies where you look at it and you say, uh, am I willing to spend two hours of my life and waste about ten bucks to watch this, or am I going to be pissed afterward? And I can safely say that this is probably one of those movies that I'll definitely check out. Um, I think it's time that people forget that Mel Gibson made mistakes, like every person makes in their life, and that you know, regardless of what shit he said or did or whatever several years ago, you know, just appreciate him as the actor that he is and that he fucked up and he's trying to repair his career. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect.
1: Like Britney Spears. Yeah. She has a residency in Las Vegas now, so... Yep. Everybody can change.
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, definitely go definitely go check that movie out. It looks pretty cool. Um, as the Variety critic said, Owen Gleiberman... He said the movie is a grimy little pulp action thriller that gives him, uh, that gives him, and he's referring to Mel Gibson, the chance to show that he's still got it. Now, I think Mel Gibson's always had it. <laughs> uh, I just think that, you know, obviously with the list of some of the movies I talked about recently, that maybe his agent's not helping them pick some of the best movies to be in. <laughs>
1: he's probably saying take what you can get
0: right I mean yeah he probably doesn't have a shitload of work getting thrown his way like
1: Lindsay Lohan
0: and yeah I mean she's she probably was... gonna
1: end up in Depends ads here in a minute cause <laughs> people still don't wanna work with her after all she's done
0: <laughs> fucking Depends <laughs> oh, that's like the funniest thing you've said that was fucking hilarious um but yeah Check out the Blood Father. Um, it's gonna be neato. so um, you can check out the trailer again. We're gonna be posting in our Facebook page at uh, that conversationalist. You um, can also um, check out our Twitter at um, that Com podcast. And um, you know you can uh, listen to our podcast on SoundCloud if you're not already listening to it on SoundCloud. And if you are, you can also check us out or download us on iTunes. Um, if you want to send us an email, you want to ask us a question, or whatever, um, you can do that. Um, that conversationalist at gmail dot com. Um, again, thanks for listening. This is episode twenty. Little uh, kind of a plateau podcast. I mean, I guess this kind of makes us a real podcast since we're staying relatively consistent with recording. It's almost
1: old enough to drink.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I might start drinking now. Maybe next it'll get
1: next episode. Yeah,
0: maybe it'll get more interesting. I was always, oh, in, in other podcasts I've done and still do, um, I do drink a little bit and uh, a lot. you know things get off the rails a little bit. A um, lot, not a lot. a lot. And so I was trying to be on my best behavior to kind of you know see if people would you know listen long enough. So I mean, I hope if I do end up drinking a little bit and saying some dumb shit that people are like, oh my god, this guy's so juvenile, I'm not going to listen to this podcast anymore. <laughs> Fucking alienate everybody. I mean, they probably the
1: audience, do that anyway.
0: Yeah, well, the audience I have on my other podcast is, like, mm-hmm. full of juvenile men. That's our demographic, so...
1: Yeah, well... Um,
0: but yeah, thanks for listening to That Conversationalist. I'm Jesse, and I'm here with Amanda. Hi. You mean fucking bye? Oh, bye. (laughs) I'm tired. Saying goodbye.
1: Bye.